From app.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. And welcome back to Jersey Jump Shot. Ryan Ross here with Jerry Carino, Steve Edelson, and Chris Eisman. Our 17th and final episode of the season, our finale, as we react to the national championship. UConn is the national champion. They take down San Diego State in the championship game. The Huskies win their fifth NCAA tournament title. Their third title with a different coach. They've had three coaches win national championships for that program. And the Huskies take it home. They cut down the nets, ending what was a very exciting NCAA tournament. Of course, going back in the weeks, tons of upsets. We saw Princeton and FDU, of course, at the center of the basketball universe for a couple of minutes during this tournament as they score big upsets. Just a fun, entertaining tournament. And UConn, they just really did look like a champion all along, Jerry. With all these double-digit wins, they they were dominant in their in their pursuit of this championship. And of course, plenty of Jersey angles, of course, we'll get into in this show. But uh, your reaction to the Huskies winning? Well, this was really right in our wheelhouse, too. I mean, right to the end, right? This whole tournament from from FDU firing the opening, the all-time opening salvo to Princeton being the biggest. You know, the, the, the unlikeliest seed to advance to the Sweet 16. And then to UConn, which in many ways is a story for us, even though they're outside of New Jersey's borders. Uh, dominant performance. And yes, you know, really one of the great roles through NCAA tournament history. And what a, what a, what a program they've become. Five NCAA title banners. My goodness. In the last 25 years. But Dan Hurley, you know, Jersey guy through and through. Jersey City raised. St. Anthony High School, part of Jersey's, uh, New Jersey's first family of basketball with his already legendary father and already legendary brother, uh, and now carving out a legend in his own right. Of course, Seton Hall alum also. And really poignant moment on the late, you know, after the game when he's being interviewed on the court by Jim Nance, another Jersey guy who had his swan song as a Final Four uh, announcer and was spectacular. But he sa- Dan Hurley says uh, th- a public thank yous to P.J. Carlissimo and George Blaney, two guys, two coaches at Seton Hall who shaped him. Also, two, you know, while well, P.J. Is, was, is raised in Pennsylvania, but he has Jersey, of course, strong Jersey roots. His father's from Montclair. And then George Blaney's a Jersey City guy. So really heartfelt shout out to those two his former coaches, and then yelling Jersey City, Jersey City, Jersey City three times, screaming it into the mic for the whole world to hear. It was really an amazing moment. And, you know, good for Dan. It's no accident uh, what he's done. He's a terrific coach. I mean, he's got the best of his father and PJ. And I think even George Blaney, like he said, his ability to relate to all kinds of players, uh, look at the dominant team that he built. And really, you know, UConn was a 4C, but – but for a couple of shaky weeks in January, and everyone has them, they were the best team in college basketball. They dominated the non-conference. They didn't lose an out-of-conference game all year. So they got hot at the right time, but they were really, really good and deep. And Adama Sonogo, the, the, Sonogo, the Final Four, most outstanding player, of course, an alum of the Patrick School in Union County. And so it keeps on coming, the jerseyness of it all. But good for Dan Hurley. Uh, he, he becomes the third native New Jerseyan to lead a team to the March Madness crown, joining two names we know well, Roly Massimino at Villanova. He's a hillside guy 
and uh, Gary Williams of Collingswood, who did it at Maryland. What do all three of these guys have in common? They all coached high school basketball in New Jersey. That's how they got their start. And so the toughness, the grit their teams played with, you know, you could see that uh, coming from their homeland. And it was a really fitting finale for Dan Hurley and everyone who follows Jersey basketball. Well, I got to tell you, one of the things I think over the last few weeks you have seen is what a tournament for the Big East, you know, right? Another national championship. It's not just Villanova anymore now. And, you know, I thought the way they performed um, throughout the tournament really, and, and when you compare it to some of the other conferences, you know, really was outstanding and really shows you know, Seton Hall's got work to do. That is a very tough conference right now, and I think that was one of the big takeaways from this tournament. Yeah, I mean, the way UConn played these last few weeks, I mean, they just looked completely unbeatable, and last night was another representation of that. I mean, there was one point I didn't think San Diego State in the first half was ever going to score again. I think the figures they were going to finish with 12 points, but it was just a dominant performance, and um, I think during that game I kept thinking, like, you kind of think like how hard it is to win the tournament, right? I mean, because Selection Sunday feels like an eternity ago. I mean, that feels like a whole other lifetime. And just to have to win so consistently and, and for UConn to do it as dominant as it was, I mean, that's that's you don't see that a lot, and it just makes it all the more impressive. I don't think they're the best UConn team ever. I would go with the 2004 team. Some people would say the 99 team. I'm talking to Mecca Okafor and Ben Gordon in 04, but – but, I mean, that says a lot about UConn. But, boy, were they dominant in this tournament. And, listen. That's when it that's, matters. Yeah. That's what makes March Madness great. It's about peaking at the right time. And you just cannot predict it, Chris, like you said, on Selection Sunday. So, it really was it really was one of the better tournaments in my lifetime that I can remember for its unpredictability. Yeah, sure. and, and fresh faces as well. You know, the, the Blue Bloods either didn't make the tournament or got knocked out pretty early. So you have some teams. Uh, you know, we could throw UConn, I guess, now into the Blue Blood conversation with five national champions. No question. You get, you get five, you're a Blue Blood. You're in. Yeah, five in 25 years. And uh, they do it again. Uh, I, I think I saw a stat that three teams have won a national championship as a three seed or worse in the last 15 years, 25 years, whatever it is. UConn's all three. And we know they were better, you know, following the Big East and following this team. We knew they were better than the four seed. But just to be able to do it and all the teams that they took down along the way, really impressive win. And and it was just dominant from start to finish. And to Steve's point real quick about the Big East, you know, really arriving on the scene with the second national title program now since realignment. It's important because you hear every now and then some talk about like the power five or the football programs taking their ball and going home, breaking off. Can't really do that now. It wouldn't be a legitimate uh, national championship when you have UConn's and Villanova's winning titles. You know, when you have San Diego States and Florida Atlantic's in final fours, you can't really do that. So I feel like this, this, the madness of March is holding the whole thing together. And for those of us who love college basketball, that's a good thing. Yeah, and you know, there's plenty of reminiscing as well about the old Big East and what it used to be, and uh, it seems like it's in pretty good hands with the last few years between Villanova and Connecticut, of course, lots of other very talented teams that made nice runs in the tournament as well, so it seems like it's uh, it's doing quite all right, the Big East, so as we look ahead now to, to wrap up this season and we start to look ahead to next year, we do have a special guest uh, on our podcast, Jerry, why don't you set it up real quick for us? So, yes, we, we, there's going to be a lot of talk as we go into the offseason about NIL and the transfer portal and the impact of name, image, and likeness money on, on the shape of these rosters. And what better person to bring in for our perspective but Pat Lawless, 
of the front office, Jersey guy, organizes uh, live entertainment, sports events, and is really involved in, in giving uh, college basketball players NIL opportunities. He's working with the schools on various, on various events. And so Pat Lawless can give us a little insight, I think, into what's going on with NIL and where this is headed as everybody kind of wonders, like, what's the next step and how will this change the game, which it already has done? And let's listen now to our interview with Pat. So the final Jersey Jump Shot podcast of the season deserves a guest, a special guest, and that's what we have. Pat Lawless, you've probably heard the name if you've been paying attention to New Jersey Hoops. Pat is the founder of The Front Office, a live sports entertainment service. I'm sure you know at least a couple things they've done. They organize the RUSHU Basketball Banquet, which has been a smashing success the last couple of Decembers. And the you you know you know the uh, the Ron and Geocast right you probably heard that the 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 Manning cast style uh, commentary that those Rutgers legends provided on the last regular season game that also was a was brought to you by the front office Pat's twenty seven years old Glen Rock native uh, from Bergen County lives in Jersey City which is like the center of the basketball universe Pat welcome aboard and what a year for speaking of Jersey City what a year. What a two what a two year run for Jersey College College basketball. You must be loving it. Unbelievable. I mean, like 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 everyone says, basketball needs New Jersey. And that's and that was never true, more true than than today. Super proud to be a now Jersey City resident after you know Hurley's victory yesterday and appreciate the con words. And yes, yeah, super excited to to get into to NIL talk and uh yeah, super that's excited. why we're having you on, Pat, because you you're you're the, you know, the local expert on where this is going, uh, the NIL, the name image likeness deals. In fact, we just reported on one yesterday. FDU walk-on Braden Edwards got a $25,000 NIL deal with degree deodorant. I mean, the fruits of FDU beating Purdue keep on coming. So, Pat, just generally speaking, give us an idea of what the front office does, and especially regarding NIL, like where you think this thing is going. Sure, yeah, the front office, you know, like, like you mentioned, we like to call it a live entertainment uh, sports service, right? Where we're giving fans these experiences, whether that's like you mentioned, the Rucker Scene All Hoops Banquet, right? Um, we 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 do work with Night Society. We put on productions like the Ron and Geocast, like you mentioned. We put on um, a watch party for Rutgers fans. Um, you know, we just organized an event with John Fanta, who's now you know a rising star. Um, to the to celebrity, I might say. I know, I know, it's crazy, Jerry. Uh, no, you know, we, we, we ran an event with him to kick off Big East Tournament Week, right? So that's where we really pride ourselves on. Uh, we think that we run high-level events um, that, you know, fills a need, you know, that these, event, these events should already exist, and we're just the ones that are, that are running them. So, yeah, that's, that's what we pride ourselves on. Well, let me ask you something. In terms of NILs for players now, what you're doing, how, does it, how can you – impact that for those players sure yeah so we were hired um by geo baker and eric legrand um you know night society to run events um for their collective right um a lot of times collectives are just receiving donations and there's really no tangible product that comes with that what geo and and eric wanted to do they wanted to give a reason to donate, right? They wanted their donors and these people that support Night Society to say, hey, 
I'm donating towards a cause. So that's where we came in. We're running events. We're running the Ron and Geocast. We're running the watch party. We're giving the Night Society fan base something that, hey, I'm putting my dollars towards something um, tangible. And yeah, we're super excited to to put those two productions on. And man, me and Geo talk every week on on planning, you know, future events. We have something planned this summer that we're super excited about. We're already talking the fall. We want to do Ron and Geocast again. But to answer your question, that's where we were brought in. We're brought in to give these these supporters something tangible um, for, for their fan base. That's interesting. And I have a follow-up about that in a minute question, but I want to just ask you, uh, Pat, the um how much of, of an impact on is NIL going to have on the way rosters are shaped in college basketball this offseason and going forward, do you think? Oh, it's it's going to make a huge impact, you know. Um, that's just, you know, that, and that's, you know, a part of the process of kind of getting through this. And I think there will be some regulation. I don't know what that is. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, that's just the natural progression of this thing. It's it's become a recruiting tool for some of these schools. You know, you see the figures from schools like Miami and these higher, you know, uh, you know, blue blood um, schools are offering. Yeah, it's 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 a naturally just becoming a, a part of the recruiting process. You know, I don't think that was the original intention of it, uh, but yeah. that's just where we were, we're headed right now. How important do you think transparency and and having more of that in this whole process is going to be moving forward? Because it just seems like there's so much unknown about these deals and what's going on right now. Oh, I mean, you know, there's no there's no you know way of saying that it isn't with like you know it's the, it's the wild wild west. You know, I mean, like with certain deals, there really is there is no transparency, like you said, and that's why I loved. And I don't know if you guys saw this Jim Laranega's take on things uh, when he spoke on IL and he said, why is there, you know, smoke and mirrors? Why don't we know exactly what's happening? Why is there no transparency? Um, so that's where I think the space needs to head to. I think that there should be some transparency. I think that we should know, hey, um, what is going on? Um, and uh, I think we're headed there eventually. But, yeah, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some growing pains. And I think people just need to realize, too. We're year two in this thing, right? Like, there's going to be some some growing pains. So that's just one of them. What is your What would your advice be, Pat, to a, a college basketball coach or you know an administrator like an AD about uh, doing this and doing it right? And there's obviously things that they can and can't do, but as far as like ha- approaching NIL and and roster construction, man, it's so interesting because like you're having guys like a Shaheen Holloway having to figure this out, right? They're put in that position and they weren't, you know, a couple of years ago, that wasn't a part of the job. And now it is, I would say, I would say, you know, obviously want to get creative, you know, want to, want to find different ways that, you know, uh, your, your collectives um, can give their fans like, you know, night society is doing like nights of the rare is doing um, something, something tangible and something that they want to donate to. Um, and, and I think that's a, a, a big part of it. Like but, an event or a service or something like that, right? Correct. Yes, exactly. It's gotta be it, that, and you know, not to get off on a tangent, but that's what the modern day collective is going to look like. It's going to be something outside the box and, and what night society is doing and throwing events. Um, what you're seeing nights of the rare and doing, especially the great job they do on social media. Like that's what the modern day collective is doing. So I think each of these schools needs to take that approach and getting really creative and giving their 
you know, fan base a reason why to donate. I think that's, you know, where um, these schools should really head to. I think that's that's what it comes down to. Does this trans translate down to the mid-major level at all? And how does that impact those programs? I'm just curious, like if you're sitting in a mid-major league, like say you're Mammoth in the CAA and all of a sudden Charleston has, has money, which I believe they probably do have NIL money, you know, now what? I mean, that's like a game changer for programs like that. It's tough. No, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough part of the space. And now, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about it now. You're seeing guys not go to schools because there isn't an NIL, you know, commitment. Right. Um, and that's a part that's a tough part of the space. Um, and it's not even just at the major level, even Dan Hurley's talking about, or not Dan Hurley, people are talking about UConn now getting NIL money, right, at the level that these other schools are. So it's really across the board um, where I think that, yeah, it's going to take some progression and there's going to be some some times where kids just don't go to schools based on a lack of NIL commitment, which is unfortunate for those mid-majors. And I think that's a part of like, I keep going back to it, but it's so true. It's just, it's a growing pain. Uh, and it's something that um, I think, you know, eventually will be worked out, you know, whether that's, you know, strict regula- regulations on NIL and recruitment, right? That, that tie-in. Uh, but yeah, I think that's, it's a growing pain. I think um, that's something that, you know, needs to be addressed. Uh, One thing you hear is market rate too. Like, will there be some sort of payment system tied to market rate for services or whatnot? Pat, you, you do some high school events, right? The, the front office is involved in throwing in organizing high school uh, basketball events, correct? Correct. Yep. Are you hearing, do you hear from, do you think this is trickling down to the high school level? Is is there going to be NIL in high school or are, the, are inquiries being made among the high school athletes you talk with about, you know, what can I do to, to maximize my value? And, and you're talking about just, you know, high school athletes getting brand deals and, and things of that nature. Yeah, whatever whatever the conversations are at that level, because like Steve and I aren't really down there, but you're you're at that level. You got a foot in that in that realm, too. Yeah. You know, and when I talk to parents, I think it's like everyone's so excited, right, that it's a new it's a new space. And everyone's like, oh, man, what do I got to do to to get the new deal? Right. And I think my advice to any parent that I talked to was, hey, stay within yourself doesn't mean, oh, I got to I got to post five TikToks now, you know, or I got to, you know, tweet this many times, whatever, to get so and so to throw me a brand deal. Stay within yourself and do what's natural to you and the brands will find you. But, yeah, there's a conversation about, hey, how do I leverage my brand to, you know, uh, you know, get get the next brand deal or build my profile so it's in a position, um, say, in college to get a significant brand, uh, you know, NIL money. Um, but yeah, but my, 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 my conversations with all those parents are saying, Hey, don't do anything, you know, that wouldn't be natural to you already. You know, that if, if, if it comes, it comes, um, it just needs to be a natural part of the process. I guess that, 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 that's been my advice at least. You know, Pat, just looking back at say 2017 before the transfer portal, before NIL, you know, such a different landscape now if you look into the future five, 10 years from now, what do you see this looking like? Wow. Um, What do I see it looking like? I think, I think that there's going to be more regulation. um, And I think there'll be, I think the conversation around NIL will be less framed as 
a recruiting tool and more of what the original purpose of it is in that it gives players an opportunity to just, you know, benefit off their platform, benefit off of their name, image, and likeness, right? Like that's where I think it'll be framed as in five to 10 years. I think that's the goal. And I think that's where everyone wants to get to in that that's the purpose of this, right? The purpose of this is not to be a recruiting tool, but more of, Hey, the players are getting what they, you know, what they've earned, what they deserve, you know, like players like Armando Baycott from UNC now have life-changing money, right? Like that's the, that's the goal of it. And that wasn't the case five years from that uh, ago. So that's, I think where we're headed, um, hopefully. Um, and I, I, I think that's where it'll be framed, what it'll be framed as. All right, Pat, two quick questions for you on some of your signature events. The RUSHU Banquet is going to continue, correct, in December? Correct. And Jerry, Jerry will be up there, hopefully with John, sipping wine. Uh, <laughs> buddy, John Fanta, he, he, he let off the podcast uh, as our first guest this year. And, boy, did we have a great time at that event, Pat. So you, you foresee that continuing, uh, and we'll be putting out the word for, for former players and everything, right? Always the Friday before the game, or is that sort of we'll see when the game's scheduled? I think it's always got to be the Friday before the game. I think it's always right. got to be the Friday before the game. And, yeah, it's it's what what like what we, we spoke on earlier. I think it just fills a gap that needed to be filled. Like, I think Rutgers and Seen Hall fans need that um, celebration before the game. I think they need that platform to speak on and, and have, you know, Jerry, we, we spoke on NIL there. You know what I mean? Like, right. it was a really cool – setting in that it didn't feel like some prim and proper event it just seemed like you know you know just uh, a, b- a bunch of friends gathering and talking hoops so yeah. could, could you foresee a day pat where you know we have some current players attending as nil opportunities or for now we're, we're, we're sticking with the alumni former players i so jerry and i think we spoke about it um i wanted i wanted you know i was trying to have that conversation with both teams this year i wanted you know current players to come uh, it was a scheduling issue and that, uh, you know, we weren't able to make it make it happen. But, yeah, I want that to be a component of it. Absolutely. I would love, uh, you know, to to give scene hall players and Rutgers players some NIL opportunities and having them come speak and connect with the fan base. You know, I think that would be fantastic. Interesting. Good idea. So we'll get back to everybody on that in the fall. And then one last thing, Pat, the Ron and Geo cast, what was the kind of the feedback and where do you see this going? I mean, uh, really blew blew my uh, expectations out of the water. We did, I want to say, forty three hundred viewers. Um, That's during good a, during a home game uh, for the first time. You know, we we for a pilot. Um, yeah, really blew my expectations out of the water. Was really excited, and to get those two guys back together was really really cool. We want to do you know a set of four or five of them next year. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was awesome. I don't know what your, what your thoughts were, but, um, it was cool to put it together. They're, they're, well, they're really talented. So my only complaint was that I had trouble with the noise in the arena because it was, I was sitting in there, but I'm sure for people who were 
sitting at home. It was a great experience. And if you do a road game, like you said, in the future, I'll definitely be dialed in. But from what I heard, it sounded like a lot of fun. All right. So Pat Wallace, away, games, away games next year. That's the away games, year. right. The away games would be – and that will maximize your audience big time because you won't have all these diehard fans sitting in the arena. They'll be home <laughs> listening. But it's a great idea. Lots more good ideas, I'm sure, coming from the front office. Pat Lawless and the front office are part of the fabric of New Jersey College basketball. We will be hearing from them down the road. Good way to close out. Look into the future of the sport that we all love. Pat, thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you along the way. Jerry, Steve, thank you so much. Love what you do for Jersey Hoops, and uh, excited to hear more from you guys. And again, thanks to Pat Lawless for stopping by the show. Very interesting stuff there. I mean, this is something that, as you said, it's new. These, This is something that, you know, college programs are starting to navigate. They're trying to figure out. And a lot of it is still to be determined in terms of how schools are able to use the NIL to their advantage and, and try to catch up to other schools that are using it. So when you hear what Pat has to say, Jerry, and you kind of apply that to the New Jersey schools and what they're able to do, what's your reaction? Well, the big thing is that uh, Pat thinks this is going to all level off, right? Right now, a lot of NIL has veered into pay for play, which is just, you know, boosters stuffing money in pockets of players to transfer schools and, go, you know, like free agents in pro sports. Pat seems to think, and I've heard this this too from other people, that if this is a frenzy that will eventually boil over and what will be left after the boil is NIL as was intended, which is, you know, opportunities for players to be pitchmen and women uh, and to, to, to do advertising and do events for fees. And so we'll see. But, you know, Pat, I think Pat, you know, he would know better than us because he's he's been on the on the front end of this curve for a while now. But, yes, the hope is it levels off. It doesn't – I don't know, Steve. It doesn't appear it's going to right now. What did you think? Yeah, it's red hot right now. And you can see it's a it's an entire cottage industry now, you know, similar to when the NFL draft got hot. You know, there were now you have all these. I mean, pretty much every school, I'm sure, uh, uh, you know, is part of one of these services where you pay and they they scout the transfer portal for you. You know, there's there's all kinds of people doing that. There's people doing what what Pat is doing in terms of trying to you know, get opportunities for kids. So there's a lot going on right now. Um, yeah, it might be a while before it, it stops simmering. And the other thing that he mentioned that uh, it was, he really didn't have an answer for, you know, what? how about the plight of the mid-major, right, Steve? I mean, he kind of said, yeah, you're in a tough spot. I think the, the mid-major is really at the at the uh, mercy of the results, right? So FDU, FDU walk-on gets a $25,000 NIL because FDU sees their moment in March Madness. But you know, right. if you're if you're Monmouth, if you're, uh, you know, St. Peter's at the moment, not, obviously not last year, but if you're NJIT, if you're Ryder, uh, what are your opportunities going to look like? How can you even get involved in this game? And we just don't know. Right now, it, it appears to be very difficult. Well, and that, and that shows the importance at that level of getting to the NCAA tournament because that is how you get known, you know. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's going to be tough, and I think it's going to be interesting because again, I, there are so many kids in the transfer portal right now, and I'm sure most of them feel like they're going to get paid, and many of them are not. So then, what happens to those kids, and where do they end up? And and I think that's where schools like mid-major schools are going to be kind of sitting there and seeing what drops down to them, and I think that's going to be interesting in the coming months to to see how that all shakes out right and you, you speak of, of the transfer portal like this the biggest so far the biggest transfer portal news in new jersey this season has been tyree samuel leaving seton hall 
for a postgraduate year elsewhere after playing four years at the hall and being a big part of the program this past year under Shaheen Holloway. And, uh, you know, does he have, does, does Tyrese have an offer a big bucks NIL offer to play elsewhere? He may well have that. We'll find out. We don't know where he's going to land, but yeah. What, I mean, even I think Dusty may even said like this, people trying to poach my players from Florida Atlantic during the NCAA tournament. And so, you know, did someone come and offer Tyrese Samuel a $500,000 guarantee to play somewhere else at another high major? Uh, I guess, I don't know if we'll find out a number, but you'll have a good idea based on what shakes out if this was purely a financial move. And if it was, because he does seem to, he did seem to really like it at Seton Hall. It's possible, I guess he could return, but if it was, you know, what does that say about what the future is for this for building a college basketball roster. So I don't know. It's something, it's something we need to look at the off season. We need to look for and see, you know, our players just being bought um, and poached off rosters purely for money or is fit. Does fit still matter? Uh, It's a good question. And that's, and where does this leave high school players? You know, are they left holding a bag and are there people in the transfer portal who are going to be left holding the bag because there's no chair when the music stops or they didn't get the money they were promised. So, like, I think this is what Pat is alluding to when he thinks it'll eventually settle. It might take a number of people getting burned. I don't know. We don't really know, and that's kind of the answer right now. It's not. It's a non-answer. Yeah, it's just one more wrinkle in an offseason when teams have a lot of priorities. They have a lot to do to get ready for the next year to try to compete, and it's just one more wrench to kind of throw into the mix there. So let's start with Rutgers, and let's start with a look at the Scarlet Knights, of course, uh, going back to Selection Sunday, which, yes, Chris, it does feel like an eternity ago. It was, of course, Rutgers on the outside looking in. So now when you factor in the NIL and just the the general personnel moves that teams encounter every year, what does this offseason look like for the Scarlet Knights? And what are some things that they need to accomplish to get into the tournament next year? Well, obviously, I mean, the first two things that, you know, everyone I think is going to be focusing on is what's Cliff Amore going to do? What's Paul Mulcahy going to do? As we know, they did declare for the NBA draft while maintaining their, their eligibility. So those are two things that's going to be interesting to watch. And then, yeah, I mean, you look to see who they're going to get in the portal, um, you know, what help they're going to get, you know, they could use more shooting. Um, uh, but it's, you know, that that's obviously something that's going to kind of continue to unfold, but I think that was going to be the big storylines. They definitely have to kind of, you know, fill out the roster. They have some holes to fill. They obviously have some talented freshmen coming in too, um, so it's all going to be very, very interesting. And, and, you know, to see what they do, as you said, Ryan, to get back into the tournament and try to make sure what happened this year doesn't happen next year. And Steve Peichel, he, he really wants to cling to the traditional ways. Like he wants to get freshmen in and develop them over the course of three or four years. And he, he really tried to do that um, this past year. But there were just a couple people who they didn't, they didn't develop to help them enough. And now those those three players – are in the transfer portal. Now, did he push them out the door? I don't think so. But, you know, do they want to play, of course? And also, is there some mid-major dropping cash on them? Maybe. Maybe. Because maybe like Dean Reber or Jalen Miller, they can't really help Rutgers much, you know, and Oscar Palmquist, but maybe they can help some lower mid-major somewhere and they're valuable to them and they're going to they're gonna cash out somewhere. So, no this is, yeah, this is now part of the carousel we're on. And, like, I think Steve – has tried to resist that and build a program the traditional way. And he does have a lot of loyalty with his players, which is why we think the core players will be back next year who can be back. We'll see. But he's kind of swimming against the tide, and I think he knows that. And I think you're going to see increased 
increasing usage of the transfer portal from him as an acknowledgement of that. It's going to have to. He's going to have to try and find that right balance because you can't to exist in this world of college basketball. You can't just do it the old traditional way or else you're going to get left behind. You have to find a way to adjust to kind of move forward and and figure out the best way that you want to build your program while also embracing kind of the tools that are in front of you right now. And and that's the transfer portal. And it's just it's the way of the world right now. And you have to you have to adjust or, or get left behind. Right. Yeah, and it's it's another factor we've talked about on this show, too. It's not just bringing these players in from the portal, but it's making sure they're the right fit. And there's plenty of talented players out there that don't fit into a uh, specific system. So it's, you know, one thing to bring guys in. It's another thing to bring the right guys in. And it's just, again, one more wrinkle that coaches and programs like this have to deal with every offseason. And, you know, everyone goes through it. Players leave, players come in. That's kind of the new college basketball. And uh, whoever is able to adjust, that's who's going to win. That's who's going to be playing in March. And it's a challenge for these coaches and it's a challenge for these players as well. But it's something that every team has to deal with. And we'll see how Rutgers is able to navigate it. Uh, and the urgency for Seton Hall, I think, is even more than the than so than for Rutgers. Because if Rutgers brings their core back, they do, have, of course, they'll have to add a, a piece or two. But like Seton Hall has to add several pieces or they're going to be in trouble. Uh, assuming Tyree Samuel does, in fact, change schools or turn pro doesn't come back they're going to need they desperately need two big bodies not one but two big capable big east bodies and they desperately need some shooting and so uh they have a lot of scene has a lot of work to do in the portal and you know we'll see where it goes but the is they're on the clock as far as adding personnel and you know holloway i think is He's open to that. You know, he's not. He certainly knows what he has to do, and now it's just a matter of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's another thing too, as we mentioned, uh, Steve, the the mid majors. This is a totally different thing for them to have to deal with. And when we look at the New Jersey mid majors, of course, Princeton and FDU were the tournament teams, but Ryder with a strong season. We saw St. Peter's last year. Uh, Mammoth, of course, with some struggles in their new conference. Uh, when you look at the landscape for the New Jersey mid majors in this off season, uh, what are some things you're focusing on? Well, you know, and again, I think so much every year now, it's like a crapshoot at the mid-major level. You see teams rise and fall so quickly right now. Um, I mean, you know, look at FDU now. You know, they're going to go through a whole transformation now, and St. Peter's is going to be in year two of that transformation. So um, I think that I think it's going to be a lot of programs building, trying to build, trying to see what pieces they can collect that are left over at the end. Guys, as – as you guys said before, that don't have a chair when the music stops. And I think that's how you're going to build a program this year at the mid-major level. And I, I think it's going to be the same for everybody. Mammoth needs pieces. Ryder's going to need pieces. Um, and and that's really w- what you're going to see is a, a collection of new teams really coming in, trying to make an impact next year. The exception will be Princeton because Princeton doesn't – they don't take transfers. So And, they, right. and nobody transfers out either. Uh, unless they've graduated, because no one's no one's given up right. the chance at a life-changing right. Princeton degree. Uh, but like Mitch Henderson will tell you, that's what gives us an advantage in March because we have guys who played together for three or four years, and we have that experience and cohesion that other teams that have been assembled on the fly don't have. And so that'll it's interesting. Like if the Ivy League type teams make runs each March, he will be right about that. So that's something worth watching in the in the big uh, in the long view. It was a fun season and should be a very interesting off season. Of course, Jerry, Steve, and Chris will be reporting on everything going on in the off season. Give them a follow on Twitter. Follow them on NorthJersey.com. But Ryan, before you sign us off, we got to give you a round of applause. Ryan is moving up to the mothership 
USA Today. And, man, are we going to miss him. The brains behind the podcast. Great job and congratulations, my friend. There you go, Ryan. Thank you, guys. Yes, I'll, I'll be miss miss you. Very sad. When you make sad. it big, you'll have to be. You'll have to come on as a guest. <laughs> as I'm, as I'm fumbling with the technology. <laughs> I would love that. Absolutely, I appreciate We're it, guys. Ryan, yeah. but this is a rough one. This is rough. Yeah, I, I'm certainly going to miss you guys on this doing the podcast, of course. But uh, I know it's in in great hands. I, I have an easy job working with the three of you, so I, I know everything will be great. And uh, yeah, I'll certainly miss doing this. But I appreciate the kind words. And the we're last thing I want to – oh, go ahead. Some story on Steve. Steve, go ahead. No, what I just said we're just going straight to Jerry screaming now. No more. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the people want. <laughs> I want to – I do – so I do – for so a tip of the cap to Ryan for piloting this thing for several years now. Uh, and also I want to thank the listeners of this show, who which has grown, and I get we've gotten good feedback. I want to thank all of our guests and everybody in the New Jersey basketball community that makes – makes this be possible because we're nothing without people consuming, you know, the content. And so they've, they're doing that. It helps that the teams have done things to, to shout about for sure. Uh, but I want to thank everybody who's been with us all year and, you know, we will be back next year. I will be back God willing with Chris and Steve and really looking forward to continuing the Jersey Jump Shot podcast and continuing to grow with an audience in a time that is really exciting for the sport in this great state. It's going to happen fast. It's blinking. It's new season. So stay tuned. Ain't that the truth. That's good news for college basketball fans. A new season right around the corner, and we're looking forward to seeing what happens next year. Everything Jerry just said. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to all of our guests for following all year. It was a great season of talking college hoops, and we appreciate you coming along for the ride with us. Thank you so much for listening to Jersey Jump Shot. For Jerry, Steve, and Chris, I'm Ryan, and we'll talk to you next season. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.